Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we continue our 10-week journey called The Red Sea Rules, based on the book by Robert J. Morgan, where we will be looking at 10 different rules that we can apply to our lives. In this book, we find that even in the midst of seemingly impossible situations, God can make a way that will move us from fear to faith. In week six, Lee White unpacks our next big rule. When unsure, just take the next logical step of faith. Good morning. Will you join me just thanking Julian Drive for leading us today? Was that awesome or what? Now, here's what you need to do. Tomorrow night, they're going to be playing right out here in this pavilion, and they're going to be a free concert at 630 at night. What I would encourage you to do, as you leave here today, find some family, find some friends that you can invite to that, because it's going to be a great time. We're in the middle of this series called Red Sea Rules. And a lot of you don't know my story, but I was raised in a church, went to Sunday school as a young child, and I always looked at the Bible as some historical stories. That's how I was taught when I was in Sunday school. And then I moved away from the church in my late teens and my 20s, and as I came back to the church, I started looking at the Bible a little differently. I started reading it and looking for stories that came out of that Bible. How are lives different? How do things change? And we're in the book of Exodus, chapter 14. And if you want to know what story comes out of that, what comes out of Exodus 14 is some God-given strategies that you and I can use as we deal with the Red Sea issues in our lives. We're going to pick up the story today in Exodus 14, verse 10. And let me bring you up to speed. Basically, what's happened is Moses is leading God's people out of generations and generations of slavery. And they've begun this journey, and they've gotten to this point where what separates them from the Egyptians who are chasing after them. The Egyptians looked at this and said, wait a minute. There goes all our labor. It's moving away. We have got to go back and get those people and capture them. So they got their best chariots, their best warriors, and they took off after God's people. And it's at this moment that God's people literally have their backs up against the wall. It's not the wall, it's the Red Sea. Let's read Exodus 14, chapter 10, or verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. So what kind of Red Sea issues are you having in your life? Now, the Israelites, as they looked out, they saw these chariots and these horses bearing down on them. What's bearing down on you? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a financial Red Sea. Maybe it's a substance. Maybe it's a situation in life that you just haven't talked about to anybody, but you feel like your back is against the wall and you're wondering, where's God? See, in John chapter 16, verse 33, the Bible tells us we're going to have many trials and sorrows. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, when trouble comes, not if, but when trouble comes. So the reality is, we are going to have Red Sea issues in our life. You've either just been through a Red Sea issue, you are going through one now, or you're heading into a Red Sea issue. And today, we're going to deal with some of that God-given strategy as far as what you can do to deal with that Red Sea issue. I love that last verse that we read, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I want to share with you a recent get moving experience that I had. Uh, Jean and I were talking about what I wanted for Father's Day. And I told her, I said, look, I drive on 95 every day into Philadelphia. I need some help driving on, on 95. And I convinced her, I said, well, what I'd like to do is take 10 laps on a real racetrack in a race car. So we had that little conversation, and she agreed to it, and she let me buy my own Father's Day gift. So this past Father's Day weekend, Jean, Sarah, and I headed down to Fort Worth, Texas. My son plays baseball, and we had a weekend of baseball plan. But on Saturday morning, Sarah and I got up, and we went to the Texas Motor Speedway. Now, it was a great day. The weather was perfect. Sarah and I were just having a blast. And we started out after we registered. We went to a driver's classroom. Sarah sat with me. And we literally listened to this professional race car driver give us instructions on what was going to happen with the race car, how to start the car, how to shift it, where to drive on pit road, how to get out on the track. And then he told us, when you get out on the track, as you go down the straightaways, at the end of the straightaways are going to be some orange cones. I want you to hit those orange cones. When you get to there, take your foot off the gas, then point the car down, get underneath this white box on the turns, and then come out. And he says, if you come out of the turn, we need you to just look over here at the wall. That's where you want to steer the car to. So we finished that classroom, and I got to tell you, I felt pretty good coming out of that classroom. I mean, it was only about 30 minutes, but I said, okay, I'm ready to get on the, get on the track. So we go out to the track, and there's all these race cars lined up, and it's just like a cool scene to be watching that. You walk out and say, hey, I'm going to get to drive one of those things. And sure enough, it, it got to my turn to go out and drive one of those things. And I walked out to the car, and, you know, stupid me, I'm looking for a door, and there's no door. <laughs> so my first Red Sea moment is, how am I going to get into that car? So the instructor told you, he says, comes up, just put your hip right here at the door. 
And then you swing your foot in and then get the right foot in. And then once you do that, swing your left foot in and get in. So this is a picture of me just getting in that car. And a lot of people say I'm smiling because I'm excited. That's not it. I'm really smiling because I didn't pull every groin muscle that I have. (laughs) So after I got in the car, um, it was time to start it up and head out onto the track. And right before I was getting ready to pull on the track, the the other group of cars came in. And I looked down right to my left-hand side, and there was a fire going on the bottom of the other race car. So here I am. I'm strapped in, and I'm ready to go. They, they closed the track for a couple minutes and put that fire out. And there I am. I'm looking at it saying, okay, what's next today? Well, today we've got some video that we're going to pick up and watch about this driving experience. But I want to set it up first. You're going to pick up. The first thing that's going to happen is they're going to be giving me the green flag. I've taken kind of my test lap. And then I'm going to take the green flag. And then you're going to see some of the highlights as far as what that was like driving around the track. Again, it was one of my greatest get-moving experience. Let's watch this video. pretty cool, isn't it? Now, what I'd like to tell you is that I was just excited when I did that. But I got to tell you, I was excited, but I was scared. I mean, that was the most dangerous thing I had ever done. And the first lap when I pulled out onto the road, the first thing that I saw were all these skid marks of, of cars that had wrecked and gone into the wall. So here I am driving. I'm looking at these, these skid marks and going, oh, my gosh, what happened to that car? I mean, it was like this, this interesting thing. It's like, okay, I'm really excited about what's going on, but at the same time, I'm afraid. So we did this lap, and, and it was really after that first lap, I got into the second lap, and I started thinking about the instructions I got in the classroom. And then instead of seeing the skid marks and seeing the walls, I started paying attention to what he told me in that classroom. And you know what? It started working. I started picking up my marks and my spots. And instead of being fearful, I now felt a lot more God confidence in what I needed to do. So at the end of it, it was a great experience. I got to pass five cars on the racetrack. Uh, They told me my lap times got better and better, and I got up to 150 miles an hour. 
It's pretty cool, isn't it? Now, I got to make a confession to you. Because this is a video of me driving. And I did go to that classroom and get that instruction. But the reason I was able to drive like I was on that racetrack, because in the seat right next to me was a professional race car driver. (laughs) You may have heard him right there in that video time. Okay, slow it down, slow it down. And this professional race car driver was sitting right next to me, and he was wired up. He had spotters. They had microphones and radios in each one of the racing cars. So they were talking with each other. And this guy was giving me hand signals on exactly what to do as I went around the track. He'd give me the speed up. He'd give me the slow down. He'd give me the maintain the speed. And the cool one was when he wanted me to set up for a pass, he'd go like this, get right up on their bumper, get right up on their bumper. And it's freaking me out. I'm pulling right up on their bumper. But there was one point where I wasn't sure whether to go high or low and pass the car. And he literally took the steering wheel, reached over, and he turned me down low so I could pass the car. On another situation, I went by one of the cars and we're heading into the turn. And right before it, he reaches over, takes the steering wheel and turns me out towards the wall. There were times when he would push my foot down to make me speed up. There were times he would pull my foot back up to slow me down. The reason that I was able to drive like I was is I had complete faith in the instructions that he was going to give me. Our big idea for the day is when unsure, just take the next logical step of faith. See, as a Christ follower, I'd like to tell you that I got this fear thing worked out, but I don't. In fact, the phrase fear not is used in the Bible 149 times. When something is mentioned that frequently in the Bible... It's either a priority to God or it's a common condition. And for me, I think it's a common condition that a lot of us struggle with. You see, if if that racetrack was our Red Sea, like I was experiencing that first lap, all those fearful moments, that's what we'd see. We see the bank of that Red Sea moment. We see the danger. We see the car in front of us. And we see danger. And we don't see a way that we can move around it. See, we get stuck. We're not sure where to start. How do we move forward? How do we go forward in our Red Sea issue? Well, we're going to tackle three thinking points today that are going to help us with that. The first one is don't be afraid to be afraid. See, it's not being afraid that's the issue. It's what we do with that fear. Several years ago, I had a situation at work, and it happened on a Monday And my office is on the third floor in South Philly, and I can look out on a parking lot. And anyways, I had this issue at work. One of the people in my group made a decision, uh, and it wasn't the right one. It wasn't anything malicious, but bottom line, it created a lot of heat. Like my boss's boss's boss saw it on a report. You ever have one of those moments? And all of a sudden, you're in a lot of trouble. I mean, it was some major heat. And I went home that night, Monday night, and I didn't sleep too good, and Next morning, I went into work, and I said, okay, well, here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, I just happened to glance out of the parking lot, and there's a blue Toyota that pulls in. Well, I never look out in the parking lot. I'm always too busy, you know, making phone calls and looking at my computer. But for that moment, I just happened to look out there, and I started thinking. I said, you know what? My region department head drives a blue Toyota. 
And I watched that car pull in, and it pulled all the way down at the end of the parking lot, and it backed in. And I kind of glanced at it, and I couldn't tell. It was too far away. I couldn't see who was driving that blue Toyota. But the car backed in, and the person just stayed in the car. So within a couple of seconds, I started thinking this whole conspiracy theory. (laughs) You ever have those moments? Where all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, that's my region department head, and I know my boss has got a meeting, won't be in there until about 8.30 in the morning. Well, he's going to sit out there and wait, and I wonder if the HR department coming. I wonder if there's more people coming in here. And for the next hour, I was in this panicked situation. I wasn't doing any work. And I had this whole thing figured out that it was going to be a bad situation for me. In fact, at the end of that hour, I kind of looked around, and I was counting out boxes. How many boxes will it take for me to clear out my office? (laughs) The reality is, it was somebody just coming to work. It wasn't my region department head. But for that hour, I was the most unproductive, most scared person I had ever been in my job. You see, our second thinking point is courage is not the absence of fear. It's being afraid and still moving forward. It's not being afraid. It's what we do with that. You see, in that office situation, I just need to recognize that. Let's say I glance out there and say, okay, maybe it is my region department head. God, I trust you. I've got faith. I'm going to move forward. Here's my plan. But I didn't do that. I let my head get ahead of me, and I started freaking out. You see, we've got to rely on our faith to help guide us on what we need to do. See, a lot of us go through life thinking that faith is what happens in here. And if Eric just covers the right verses, if he goes deep enough, that our faith will grow. And that's true. We want this to be a positive experience. When you come to a gathering here, we want you to get a lot of things. But we don't just want it to be this transfer of knowledge. We don't want it just to be like sitting in a racing classroom where you learn things. We want you to have that incredible relationship with Christ where instead of having a professional race car driver sitting next to you, you have your relationship with Christ. So when your race car pulls out in the life that you live every day, you've got this incredible connection with Christ through your prayer time through just praying and giving all those situations, through the Holy Spirit, through this deep communion that you get to have with Christ. Each one of us have our own race car, and we can have Christ sitting right there with us. That's what we want you to experience here. But you know what happens to a lot of us? That this becomes the highlight of our week with God. And when we walk out of here on Monday morning, we get into our race car But the place that we've got God is all the way in the back. There's so many seats between where we put God and where we are that we can't see his hand signals. As he's telling us to speed up, to slow down, to just maintain your speed. See, a lot of us, we're we're grabbing this steering wheel Monday morning and we put it on and we put white knuckles on here and we're turning around and we're saying, God, will you bless what I'm doing up here? 
See, for a lot of us, we need to move God up. We've got to take God and put him into our Red Sea issue. And we need to move God so he's right there with us every single day. If you want a good definition of success, it's knowing and doing the will of God in your life. It's not a title. It's not a... It's, it's not where you live. That's not success. It's knowing and doing the will of God in your life. And there's this great verse in 1 Samuel. It's in chapter 10, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read it for you. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Do what must be done, for God is with you. This verse is a situation where Saul's out looking for missing donkeys. If you want to know a good story that comes out of the Bible, go read this one. That's a whole separate sermon. But as Saul's going on this this adventure trying to find these donkeys, he runs into the prophet Samuel. And Samuel basically tells him and says, look, hey, when this happens, here's what you do. When this happens, here's what you do. When this happens, here's what you do. And he says, go do these things. And God is with you. And that's the same thing that can happen with us. We can put God in that race car with us and we can bring him into any Red Sea issue that we're having in our life. You got issues with relationships? Do you really give that to God? Is God with you on it? Are you praying before you talk to that person? Are you really asking for that guidance that only he can give you? I want to introduce you to Katie. This is a picture of Katie and my daughter, Sarah. We met Katie on our, on our last compassion trip to Guatemala. Now, the night before we met Katie, for some reason, I had this urge to go and find a quote in a book. I was reading this book called The Mud and the Masterpiece by Pastor John Burke. And really, it's about can you see people, can you see the masterpiece through all the mud in people's lives? And there was one quote that this pastor used to help share Jesus with people. And for some reason, I just had to go find this particular quote. I'm going to read it for you. Then I will often ask a very important question. Is there anything that would keep you from opening your heart to God's forgiveness and leadership made available through Jesus? You would be amazed at how many people say, no, not really. Now, at the time, I read that, and I just put it in the back of my mind and went on with my evening activities, and it was just a great compassion trip. So that next day, we show up at this last feeding center, um, and there's Katie. And the first time I met Katie, I saw her playing soccer with a bunch of boys, and she was holding her own. I mean, she looked tough, and she was fierce. And I started finding out a little bit more about her and her family. And here's a picture of her family. She's taught, she taught her dad how to read. Uh, her mother dropped out of school at second grade. Um, they live in just poverty. Uh, I got to tell you, the minimum wage in Guatemala is about $240 a month. So they have basically no money to do anything. 
But Katie just had this spirit about her, and she was, like, tough. And uh, I started connecting with her. The soccer game ended, and I had been a soccer coach for a lot of years. And I had gone to some camps, and I had learned some soccer moves. So Katie and I just started working on some soccer moves. I mean, I began to coach her how to do some moves. I taught her the scissors move. Now, Katie only speaks Spanish, and I only speak English. So we really couldn't communicate by words. But what I could do is kind of show her some things like, okay, you need to lift this leg up, and you need to step over the ball like this. And after about 30 minutes, it was really pretty neat. She had picked up all the moves. Well, I called over Andrew, our man and missionary, and I said, Andrew, um, I just want to talk to Katie. Can you, can you interpret for me? And we started talking through some things. And I said, look, just I want you to encourage her. Tell her she's a very good soccer player. She's playing as well as all the boys. And tell her she can play soccer in high school. She was in seventh grade. And I said, look, she could even probably play college soccer if she keeps working at it. I just want you to encourage her to learn and just keep practicing. Well, he went on and had this conversation with her. And it went on a lot longer than what I had just said about soccer. And he, he turned to me and he says, oh, Lee, he says, she really thanks you for coaching her on soccer. I said, well, what else did you say? Well, he says, I took the opportunity to just share Christ with her. I said, okay, well, tell me about that. He says, well, I told her about what Christ had done, that he had died for her, and, you know, was she ready to accept Christ? I said, okay, well, what'd she say? He says, well, she said she knows all those things about Christ has done, but she's not ready to accept Christ today. I got to tell you, in that moment, time stood still for me. I said, man, is that why you had me go learn that quote? And there was a little bit of fear in me. I wasn't sure. You know, this was the professional missionary. He's the guy that shares Christ with people for a living. I mean, that's what he does. Could God really use me? I said, Andrew, I'm going to follow your lead, man. I, I just, I said, here's something I'd like you to say to her. Say, look, just like I got to coach her in soccer, just remind her that Jesus can be her coach in her life. So he went on and he said that. I said, well, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to ask her one question. Ask her, is there anything today that would keep her from accepting Jesus as her coach in life? Somebody that will show her the moves she needs to make in her life. And that little dialogue went on for a couple of seconds, and then Andrew turned back. I said, well, what's going on? He says, Lee. She said, no, not really. She's ready to accept Christ. He said, would you like to lead her? I said, I'm done. (laughs) I said, emotionally, I'm drained. I said, I can't do it. So the three of us walked over to this little bench in this feeding center, And at that moment, Katie prayed and accepted Christ into her life. Now, do you think Katie was afraid? Was she unsure? What was that next step of faith she should take? Absolutely. But she accepted Christ that day as her coach. And we spent the rest of the day with him, and then we left, and I'm kind of like praying for Katie and tried to communicate with some people around her just to support her and just encourage her. 
And then we left. And when you leave on those mission trips, you never know what gets left behind. But just a couple of weeks ago, there was a post on my Facebook page. And I want to share this with you because it's really incredible. This is from uh, one of the ladies from Mana Ministries who works with the Guatemalan people every single day. Her name is MJ. MJ sent this to me. She says, Lee, I just wanted to tell you that Katie has improved at her grades in the last semester. Now, this is translated by Bing, so give me a break here. I guess there's some punctuation issues. She goes, she has been so good in every area possible. Thank you very much for her encouragement and to be so important in her spiritual life. She made a letter, letter for you to thank you and to tell you she loves you and your family and that she will work really hard to be able to serve the Lord with her best. Isn't that amazing? I love that last sentence. She wants to serve the Lord with her best. She's unsure. She's got more Red Sea issues than anybody in this room. And she's ready to serve the Lord with her best. You know, our big rule is when unsure, just take the next logical step of faith. Katie did it. What is it for you? What is that next logical step you need to take for that Red Sea issue in your life? Is it a phone call? Is it a relationship that you just need to restore? I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the future holds for Katie. I don't know what her life is going to be like. I know she's going to have a lot of Red Sea issues she's going to have to deal with moving forward. I don't know how it turns out for you either and what happens with your Red Sea issue, but I know the God that does. Father, we just want to reach out to you and say that we love you. We thank you for the celebration of Katie and just bringing her in. We're so thankful you softened her heart that day to accept Christ as as her Lord and Savior. And Lord, for many people here today, that fear is just dominating them. To me, they're still stuck on that blue Toyota pulling in the parking lot and they're just not sure what to do. But you are, Lord. And for many of us today, it's more like what Katie's commitment is. We got to serve the Lord with our best. That's the next step of faith. But for others, today, wow, we realize we got to move God up. We've had God in the back seat so far away from us. We're white-knuckled. We just are trying to steer that race car around the track of our life, and it's not working. And for the first time in our life, we realize that, man, i got to move God up in my life. Maybe you're like me in your teens and 20s, and you're just not there. Maybe you're like Katie, and maybe you're at that point in your life that, wow, you know, I've come to these classroom sessions, I've been around it, I've kicked the tires, but the truth is, I've never put Christ in my race car. I'm trying to do it alone, and today is that day. 
And I'm going to ask you that important question, the same one that we asked Katie that day. Is there anything today that keeps you from accepting the leadership of Christ and His forgiveness? And for many of you, the answer to that today is no, not really. And today, God is just knocking on your heart. Well, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to say a little prayer for you that just helps bring him and and locks that in, that, that relationship that you can have. Jesus, I just invite you into my heart. Lord, I am a sinner. And Lord, I want to give it all to you. I want to take my white knuckles off that steering wheel and just let you be the driver of my life. And as you continue that conversation, whatever it is that you want to share with Jesus, just get it out there. Let that Red Sea issue just flow. God, I need you right there. I need you I need you giving me the signals. I need you guiding me in every step I take, every turn. Lord, I'm tired of doing this alone, and I want you there. And if you prayed that prayer, man, there is a celebration going in heaven. There is a party that is right there for you. Lord, we want to just thank you for today. And Lord, there's a lot of people today that are going to walk out of here with a lot of stuff going on. And they're going to walk out of these doors and they're walking right into some Red Sea issues. And Lord, we just pray we need your peace. Lord, we, we need you to cover that issue just with the most grace you can give us. Lord, we know that peace and that grace can only come from you. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.